Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. So glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we have the opportunity to have our missionary to the Philippines, Trevor McNellis. His wife, Christy, is also with him this morning, but she is in first service, and so she's probably one of the classes for this hour. Um, God called Trevor and Christy to the mission field out of our church um, seven or eight years ago. They've actually served now for seven years in the Philippines, and he's going to tell you a lot more about that, but I just kind of want to inject this in what they thought God had for them. God had something totally different in mind. And isn't that how it works? A lot of times, you know, we have this, we think God's going to do this, and then He surprises us by opening up uh, a, a much bigger thing. And that's what Trevor's going to come and share with you about this morning from the Word of God. So would you welcome Trevor McNellis to the platform this morning? Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, uh, as a missionary, I've gotten to do church and worship the Lord in a lot of places. I've done it in big churches when my family and I, when we were on debutation, raising our money to become missionaries, big churches, small churches, a lot of different preaching styles, a lot of different worship styles. As missionaries, we, we've uh, worshiped the Lord in mountains and on the beaches and under trees. But I'll tell you what, there's no, no place I'd rather be this morning than right here in our sending church. Man, we love Family Fellowship, and we love it when we get the opportunity to be here. Um, it's, it's kind of funny. My wife reminded me this morning, 23 years ago today, I stood right here on this stage, but for a very different purpose, and that was to marry my bride. So we're celebrating our 23rd wedding anniversary today. Just thank you. Just an incredible blessing to know her as my wife and all that she has endured being married to me. But if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 15, that's where we're going to be this morning. And as you're turning there, I'd like to ask you, uh, the title of my message is Discovering God's Vision for Your Life, and I'm going to intertwine that in with some of the what God has been doing in the Philippines and what we've been able to be a part of. But as you're turning there, let me ask you, how is your vision? Because if you're anything like me, I'm 52 years old, and my vision is not all that great. Uh, I have had to wear corrective lenses, either contacts or glasses, for the majority of my life since I was about 20 years old. And about 10 years ago, I noticed I was really struggling to see my cell phone, uh, being able to read my Bible or books. And so I went in and talked to my eye doctor, my optometrist, and I told him, I said, I think I need a stronger contact prescription. And so he did a thorough examination of my eyes, and when he was done, he said, no, your, your contact prescription is right. And I said, Doc, that can't be because I can't see to read. And he said, well, that's because you need reading glasses. He was telling me I needed corrective lenses for my corrective lenses. That's when you know you have hit middle age. So I wear contact lenses, and I have to remember to carry my little glass case. Uh, otherwise, I can't read the menu, and i just got to pretend I know what's on there. Uh, or other days, I just, like today, for convenience sake, I just wear my glasses. They're bifocal so I can see God's Word and I can see you as well. So, uh, how many of you have ever heard of Helen Keller? 
most of you have probably heard of Helen Keller. She was both blind and deaf. When she was a little girl of about 19 months of age, the doctors believe she either contracted scarlet fever or meningitis, and that caused her to lose her ability to see and her ability to hear. So imagine that for a moment. As a child, not being able to hear or see, how isolated you would feel. But her parents found a woman named Ann Sullivan who taught her to communicate. And so Ann Sullivan taught her how to use sign language. And Ann Sullivan taught her how to read Braille. She even taught her to speak well enough that she was able to go to college, a normal college. And so she is the first blind and deaf person to graduate with a bachelor's degree from a normal college. Using a special typewriter, she wrote four countries on five continents and everywhere she went she inspired people with her story and her life but one of the things I love about her is this quote that you will see right there that says this is what she said the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision she's saying it would be worse to be able to see but have no vision for your life and I agree with that I agree with that wholeheartedly. So this morning, I want to try to help you with some some ways that you can begin to understand God's vision for your life. And the first thing that has to happen for any of us to understand God's vision for our life is we need to have an encounter with God. And we see that here in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, where Abram, who later becomes known as Abraham, has an encounter with God. So let's read verse 1. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. So has that ever happened to you where God spoke to you in a dream or in a vision? Don't feel bad. It's never happened to me either. It's, I've never had that wake up and, you know, there's the angel floating above your bed to tell you what you're supposed to do next. I've never had the Moses moment, you know, where a burning bush spoke to me and, and, and gave me my orders and what I was supposed to do next. But God has spoken to me. He has spoken to me through his word. He has spoken to me through people and individuals. And he has spoken to me through events. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. So the first thing we have to ask ourselves is the vision I have for my life. Is it consistent with God's vision for my life? In verses 2 and 3, Abram complains to God of having no son. Verse 2, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. This is Abram's perspective. That although God has just promised him a great reward, his first thing that he does is to promote his own vision or his own agenda for his life. God, I need a son. I need an heir. I need someone who will inherit my wealth or one of my servants will. You could say that he's kind of a half-glass, empty kind of guy. He has kind of a negative perspective. Or you could say that he has a 
tent perspective. And what do I mean by that? Well, Abram and his family, they were nomadic herders. Their wealth is tied up in land and in lots and lots of livestock. They don't own big homes. He didn't have a mansion to return to every night. They lived in tents, and they moved from place to place as they grazed their herds. So his perspective is a tent perspective. Like being inside of a tent, he could only see what was right around him, the immediate need. God, I need a son. He couldn't see the bigger picture. He couldn't see what God really wanted for him. His vision was inconsistent with God's vision. So in verse 5, God takes him outside and he tells Abram to look up. Verse 5, Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been outside on a clear night and, and looked up at the sky? Maybe uh, down on the beach or maybe in the mountains, maybe camping somewhere on some family land. But somewhere outside of the city, outside away from all that ambient light, you know, where it's really dark. But on a clear night, you look up into the sky and you just see God's majesty painted before you. And it's just thousands and thousands and thousands of stars. And if you're like me, as a child, I've tried to do that. I've tried to count those stars. And it's impossible. God has a star perspective. He says, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. I will make you the father of many. So what is your vision? Do you have a tent perspective? Or do you have a star perspective like God? Because for our vision to be consistent with God's vision, we cannot promote our own personal agenda. We need to follow God's guiding. Abram wanted a son, but God wanted Abram to be the father of all. So whose vision was better? Well, God's, of course. It is so much easier to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit than against it. It's like swimming in the river and trying to swim against the current. It's so hard to do, but we try so often to do just that, to go against the flow of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'll share a story about my wife, and I have her permission to share this, and some of you that know her know her struggles. But we have not always been missionaries. Um, like Paul said, we're just now going into our eighth year. This July, we celebrate our the beginning of our eighth year as missionaries in the Philippines. Prior to that, we were both school teachers right here in Greenville, Texas. We taught at the high school. We worked in youth ministry right here uh, in this church. And being school teachers, having our summers off, we would take mission trips down into Central America, Honduras and Nicaragua, where uh, many of you have already done this. But we would go down there and we would go up into the mountains and we would share the gospel in those hard-to-reach places. And after we had done this for a few years, I began to feel God changing my vision for my life. I began to feel God calling us to full-time missions. And so uh, I'll never forget one morning I sat down with my wife and I said, you know, honey, I think God is calling us to be full-time missionaries. And my, my, my beautiful wife, who is way more spiritual than me and way more in tune with God's guidance, looked me in the eye and she said, you misunderstood God. <laughs> she said, I don't know where this is coming from, but you misunderstood God. That's not what God wants at all. And it's not because she didn't love God. She does. She loves God with all her heart. 
but she was happy with her vision for her life. We have a nice house. We had good jobs. We're plugged in here in ministry. We have a great mission field in the high school. Our kids are plugged in. Our families are here, and she dearly loves her family. She couldn't see us giving all that up and going to the other side of the world. And so I just decided to pray for her, that if this was truly God's vision for our life, that God would change her heart. And so over the next 18 months, that's what happened. Her last year of teaching was her worst year ever. (laughs) And it's not because she got a new principal that made her life hard. It's not because she had the worst students ever or anything like that. It was simply the Holy Spirit began to make her discontent with her life here. And so on May 8th, 2010... By the way, May 8th is my birthday. That's not in your notes, so you need to jot that down. So May 8th, 2010, I signed us up to go to a missions conference that's called um, Educators as Missionaries. And because it's my birthday, my wife has to go, right? I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. So she reluctantly agrees to go with me to this conference. But for her, it was God speaking directly to her. Because in that conference, they shared how, as an educator, God could use her gifts and her abilities and her talents on the mission field. And he has done that in a mighty way. We came out of that conference, and she said, God spoke to me. I'm all in. When do we do this? And we sold our house. This church just got behind us. And a year later, we're in the Philippines. And God has used her. She is the small group coordinator in our church. She works so closely with our our people in their groups. She is the registrar and a teacher in our Bible college that we have there. And she counsels several young women who have very troubled home lives, and they are just drawn to her. So God just has used her and used her and used her. And she would tell you herself that she is more content and more happy than she has ever been in her life because she surrendered to God's vision for her life. So how do we go about discovering God's vision for our life? Well, first of all, we need to trust absolutely in God's plan. And in verse 6, it says, Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abram believed God and trusted in God. And we know how, how that turned out, right? We have to do that. We have to trust that God will do that for us. So I want to share with you three things, three simple things that will help you to discover God's vision for your life. And it doesn't matter what your walk is in your life right now, whether you're a teenager going into high school or college and you're trying to figure it all out, whether you're a young adult, single, married, in your your middle age years like myself or in your golden years, these steps will help you to understand God's plan for your life because maybe you're not living what God wants you to live and I want to share with you how you can discover that so the first thing you need to do is to surrender your whole life to God surrender your whole life to God Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2 and so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And this just makes sense, right? What happens so often is we get saved, we become Christians, and we begin to attend church. And maybe you're faithful every Sunday to come to church and and maybe even get involved in a connection group. But it never goes much beyond that. And God is asking so much more of you. When was the last time, honestly, be honest with yourself, when was the last time you asked God, what do you want of me, Lord? How can I serve you? What is it you're asking me to do, God? We hold back. And what are we holding back? Is it our finances? Is it our time? Is it fear? Are we just afraid to do what God is asking us to do, to take that next step? We have to give ourselves fully to the Lord. The second thing is to honestly evaluate your gifts, talents, and passions. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to speak one another, to serve one another, excuse me. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all your strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all power and glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Once we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit comes and resides within us. It's indwelled within us. And we're given gifts and abilities and talents that are meant to be used to glorify God and expand his kingdom. For some people, it's the ability to play a musical instrument. I would love to play a musical instrument, but I have absolutely no talent in that area. For some, it's the ability to sing. We've heard some beautiful music this morning designed to worship our king, right? I wish I could sing, but the Bible says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, right? And what I make is not joyful. It's just noise. When I sing, it's like two dogs fighting over a bone. It's horrible. I lip sync. I'm not going to lie. If you turn the music off and everybody will stop singing... That's what you're going to see, my lips moving. That's it, because it's that bad. I don't want to disturb the people around me. But God has given me the ability to speak. And most of you never knew me as a child, so you don't understand how big of a deal that is for me. Because as a child, I had a speech impediment. I had a slight stutter, but I also added the letter S to the end of every word I spoke. Try doing that sometime and see what that sounds like. So... I was made fun of in school. I was teased. I had to go to speech therapy a few times a week so they would come get me out of class and take me to another part of the school for my speech therapy. I was bullied because of it. Once I learned how to talk correctly, I would still be the very last person that would ever raise their hand because of the fear I would have of falling into old patterns or habits. And I was terrified. But God has given me victory over that he has given me the ability to speak and so even though i get very nervous in front of crowds like this i won't let satan deny me the opportunity to share god's word with his people i just won't 
If I mess up, you're welcome to laugh alongside of me because I'm going to laugh. It's okay. But maybe your ability isn't speaking. Maybe it's working with teenagers or working with kids or driving a van or leading a small group or working in security or helping clean this church or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Every gift that God gives each and every one of us is equal. And it takes every one of us to be the body of Christ, every one of us to be the church. So I encourage you, really do some self-evaluation and discover what gifts you have that you might could use to glorify God and expand his kingdom. And then the last thing is to pay attention to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 13a says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And what often happens for us as Christians is we pray that God will open doors and give us opportunities. And then when that occurs, we say, wait a minute, Lord, that's not the door I was wanting to go through. I was wanting another door, another opportunity. And we deny ourselves the ability to serve God because of our fear or because it was simply not our, you know, it was our vision for our life and not God's vision for our life. So in our physical life, we often have to wear glasses or contacts to correct our vision. But in our spiritual life, it is the Holy Spirit that guides us back onto the path that we've wandered from it or helps us to discover God's vision for our life. And this is what I just kind of want you to take away from today is this statement, our vision needs to be consistent with God's vision for our life. That our vision, the vision we have for our life, needs to be consistent with God's vision. If it's not, we need to correct it. We really need to pray, how is it that God, what, what is it you want me to do, Lord? How is it you want me to serve you? In what area? And how can I do that? And then embrace it. Now, as a pastor and a missionary, I should always have the star perspective, right? I should always have a vision that is consistent with God's. But I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't. We've been in the Philippines now for, uh, like Pastor Paul said, we're going into our eighth year. We have a church in uh, Manila, just outside of Manila, actually, a place called Antipolo, Life Point Church, that we partnered with a, a national there, our Jermaine Nation, who's my partner and co-pastor. Many of you have attended church there that have come to see us. We have a Bible college uh, that we have, uh, well, actually, for the last two years in a row, we've had the valedictorian and salutatorian out of all the other campuses throughout Manila. Um, we also do ministry in the mountains outside of Manila where we share the gospel in hard-to-reach areas and we partner with local pastors. And in November of 2013, God changed our direction and guided us to a new area in the Philippines, to an island called Bantayan. And so some of you have heard the story, so I'm going to do a very short version of it uh, help you understand the point I'm trying to illustrate. But in November of 2013, Super Typhoon Haiyan struck the Philippines, one of the largest typhoons to ever make landfall, claimed 7,000 lives in the Philippines. So we're talking a lot of devastation. God guided us to an island called Bantayan in the southern part of the Philippines, and the whole story was just, you know, God and the Holy Spirit interacting and guiding us through his divine wisdom. But he drew us to Bantayan where we partnered with a man named Pastor Dennis Mendoza. 
And we helped Pastor Dennis Mendoza rebuild his home, his churches. He actually has uh, a, a main church and two daughter churches and his Christian school. And then along with, you know, dozens of homes that we helped to rebuild. So from November of 2013 to May of 2015, about 18 months, I was traveling back and forth to Bontayan about every other week. And this is where I was experiencing tent vision. We're, we're working with Pastor Dennis. We're doing the construction. As opportunities provided uh, or opened themselves up to us, we would uh, have evangelistic events. But I never once asked God, what's the bigger picture here, God? What is it you truly want from us and for us being here on Montayan? What's the next step? What is it you want, Lord? Never asked God that. I just continued to be involved in the construction process and, and plan evangelistic events on that island as we were able to do them. So in May of 2015, the construction is done. We're about to come home for a year furlough uh, so we're preparing to do that. As far as I'm concerned, we're, we're nearly done here in this part of the Philippines. And that first week of May in 2015, we did a two-day evangelistic camper where we brought in speakers and music and dramas, and we shared the gospel to over 1,000 teenagers. And over those two days, we shared the gospel, and we had 654 teenagers accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen, right? I'm going to go Danny here. Can I get an amen? Thank you. All right. Great stuff, right? I go back to Manila. I'm going through all my accounts, made sure I've paid all the suppliers and everything. And some of you have heard this story. Uh, I had 30,000 pesos left over that we had raised for the camps. That's about $600 U.S. I told my wife, I've got one last trip to Bontayan at the end of this month, May, just before we come back to the U.S. I'm going to take that money to Pastor Dennis. We raised it to be used in ministry there. That's where it belongs. He can use it however he sees fit. So I'm on Bontayan right there at the end of May. I'm having coffee with Pastor Dennis just before uh, church that morning. And I'm excited because we're talking about this event we're going to do later in the day. We're going to a neighboring island where we're going to feed the people. We're going to show the Jesus film, and he's going to share the gospel. We've never done anything like this, and I'm asking Pastor Dennis, well, why haven't we done this before? And he said, well, the short answer is, we don't have a boat. Can't go to another island if you don't have a boat, right? Okay, well, that makes sense. Now the Holy Spirit kind of begins to speak to me. And I asked him, I said, well, Pastor Dennis, out of curiosity, what does a boat cost? And he said, well, the boat we're taking is my father's boat. He retired. He rents it out to a group of fishermen. It's used seven days a week, but I kind of worked out a deal where we could have it this evening. And he said, so I know exactly what it cost. And I'm sure you can guess the amount. Yeah, 30,000 pesos. So we had a boat built. You'll see it in this next picture right here. Some of you have even been out on that boat. That evening, we went to this, this neighboring island, a little island called Begaye. We shared the love of Jesus on that island. We fed people. We uh, uh, shared the gospel, and we showed the Jesus film. We had about 150 in attendance. And we had 57 people get saved. Awesome. So we built this boat. And we started to use that boat to go to this island, Begayag, to start our first Bible study. And in this next picture, you'll see we celebrated our first anniversary as a church on that island back in February. 
All that because God had a bigger vision. So in this picture, the, the man in glasses standing next to me is Pastor Dennis Mendoza. Some of you have had the honor of meeting him. The guy on the other side is Pastor Jermaine Nation, uh, my co-pastor in Manila. And we have become, all three of us, very good friends working together to advance the gospel in our areas. And the guy on the end is Onyel. He's a whole nother story, but this is a man who uh, received his home after the typhoon because his was basically leveled. We rebuilt his home. When he discovered we couldn't find land to buy, to, to build a church on this island, he gave us his house to be the church. So that's just a whole nother story, though. But anyway, so... From there, we decided we need to buy land and build on other islands. So in this next shot, you'll see this is the island of Daong. It's one of the farther islands that we've been to. It's about an hour and 15, hour and 20-minute boat ride. Uh, Pastor Paul and Lynn came to visit us in March. We went out to look at this land. We've already purchased it through the generosity of this church. And the man in the middle is Michael Mendoza. This is Dennis's younger brother. He is going to help us start a church on this island. He's already doing three Bible studies on the island and has more than 150 people attending his Bible studies. They're ready for our church, right? So we're going to start construction here, uh, hopefully in the next month or two, on this island there on Dong. But as we began to get this vision of planting churches on this island, we realized that we were going to have to train men to be pastors on those in those churches. So Pastor Paul and Steve and myself and Jermaine and Dennis, you know, we felt God leading us to build a pastor's training center on Bontayan where we could train men and then send them out to these islands where there are either no churches at all or no evangelical churches. So we built, we bought land and we built this, the pastor's training center. Your church and your Christmas offering a couple of years ago gave us the money. We bought land. And we built this facility right here where we are training men to be pastors. Uh, so March, Pastor Paul and Lynn came. We dedicated the building. And that's what it looks like from the outside. Just a couple of quick shots. You'll see the front of it a little bit closer. And then the next shot, this is just kind of a common area uh, where we relax after classes in the evening. And then one shot of the bigger classroom. And then we have a couple of smaller classrooms several bathrooms, and then a couple of dormitories where we can actually house students that come from the outer islands and need to stay overnight for the classes. But we're also using it as a, another campus for Baptist Bible College Asia, the, the Bible college that we have in Manila. We started it here, and you can see it in this next picture. This is our first group of students actually studying at the Pastors Training Center. So it has multiple purposes. We're using it for multiple things. So we're not just training pastors. We're training all kinds of young leaders, men and women alike, to be in ministry uh, on Bontayan and the other islands. So the training center took longer to build than we ever imagined. If you've ever built on foreign soil, you can't imagine uh, how difficult the paperwork and some of the, the obstacles we had to overcome. But we didn't want to wait for the training center to be finished to start the pastor's training program. So we started it, and we just walked around. We did it in the church. We did it in the classrooms of Pastor Dennis's school. We just kind of moved around wherever we had to go. And we had nine men that were in the program, seven that actually finished it. And you'll see them in this next picture. We recognized them in March uh, as having graduated from our pastor's training program. And two of those men are already serving as pastors. And when a church group from, from here came to serve with us back in May... We actually had a formal recognition for them, and you'll see them in this next picture. 
and that's Pastor Michael Mendoza and uh, Pastor J.R. These two men are already pastoring for us. And so we hope the other men will. We started a new group who also began training uh, just a couple of weeks ago in June. So uh, God's just doing some crazy, amazing things in Bontayan and throughout the Philippines, but all, again, because God had a bigger plan, a bigger vision than what I had. When your team came in uh, May, we also did evangelistic camps again for our second time. And over the course of two days, you go to that next picture, we shared the gospel with over 1,300 teenagers, and we had 1,075 make professions of faith. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> right? Isn't it amazing what God is doing? And you just see they are passionate. They are excited. They want to know who Jesus is. And so it's just been a privilege to be able to be a part of that. That same week, we went to a new island called Siligon. And there we uh, shared the gospel and we fed people. And we had 62 saved that night. So just in that one week alone that your, your group came and served with us, we had 1,137 salvations. Because God had a bigger vision, a bigger, better perspective than what I had. And so God has kind of set me straight. And I want to be able to share that with you that doesn't matter where you're at in your walk in life. It's never too late to accept God's vision for your life and do what it is God is calling you to do. And I don't know where you're at in your walk. I don't know if you're, like I said, I don't know if you're young, married, teenager, golden years. It doesn't matter. I was 44 years old when I surrendered to the mission field. And I am so happy that I surrendered. I'm so happy that I said yes and that my wife said yes, wherever she may be. Um, because God has just given us the opportunity to serve him in an incredible and mighty way. And that's my encouragement to you this morning. And my challenge to you is to take these steps. Figure it out. What, what is it God is calling you to do? How can you serve God? And that your vision for your life has to be consistent with God's vision for your life. It's going to go so much smoother and your life is going to the, the pieces are going to fall into place as soon as you start to follow through with whatever it is the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. Like I said, maybe it's serving within this church somewhere or in your community or within your family. Maybe you have unsaved friends. I'll share just one last quick story with you. Last night, we went to eat at AJ's. How many of you are eating at AJ's? You're missing out, man. That is some of the best seafood on Lake Fork that you'll ever eat. So we're eating at AJ's last night, and uh, it's me, my wife, my brother-in-law, and his wife, and their kids, and my kids, and my future son-in-law. Yeah, I've got a son-in-law coming up. Uh, yeah, pray for me. So um, we're having dinner, and my, my mother and father-in-law are with us. And this woman comes up and starts talking to my father-in-law. And it's a woman that he, he retired from the phone company many years ago, but she worked in the same office uh, from what I understood. And one of the things that she said that struck me was that she was talking to, to Christy, my wife, his daughter, was that everyone knew your father was a Christian, that your father was the most outspoken Christian in that company, in that, that office. And I thought to myself, man, that's what I want to be remembered as, right? I mean, when I'm gone, whether I retire or whether I die, when people look at me, I want them to look at my life and go, man, he gave it all for the Lord. And I want to be remembered that way, Right? I encourage you, figure out God's vision for your life. Embrace it and let God use you in a mighty way. So uh, one other thing before I close in prayer, we are having a uh, luncheon right after church, and we're going to talk about missions. 
Uh, we have two trips scheduled in February, one to the Philippines, one to Nicaragua. And whether you've never been on a missions trip or you have been on one or you're just curious, there's no obligation to come and, and eat chicken with us and, and ask some questions and just hear what we might do. Love to see you come on a, on a trip sometime. Um, it will change your life. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for your love and for the opportunity to serve you. I'm humbled, Lord, to stand here in, in your house amongst your people, God, and to know that uh, that you never stopped calling us, that you gave us the strength, Lord, to be obedient. And, Lord, we've had obstacles over the years, but, God, the blessings have been so numerous. I I've been so blessed to be a part of what you've done in the Philippines, Lord. And I know missionaries all over the world that feel the same way about the countries they've been called to. Lord, I'm thankful for this church that has supported us, prayed for us, given to us, stood beside us. And the investment in the Philippines, Lord, they've had an eternal part of that, Lord. Lives forever changed. And, Lord, I know maybe there's somebody here this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe this doesn't make sense to you. Maybe you don't know what's going to happen when you die, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray the salvation prayer with me. And it's not anything that you have to do out loud because I just it's just between you and God, and it's just a matter of the heart. But if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you that chance this morning. So just pray along with me. Father God, I'm a sinner. I have made so many mistakes. I have failed you in so many ways. I can't imagine why you would love me. But I know you do. I know that you gave your one and only son to be the sacrifice for me to stand in my place and answer for my sins when he was innocent. And I just want to be forgiven, Lord. I just want to know that at the, when it's all said and done, I will know you as my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me, God, of my sins. Help me, Lord, to get my life on track. And people, that's all it is. And if you prayed that, then I just pray that this morning it, on, on the back of the bulletin, there's a place where you can can uh, initial that, Lord, and, and I mean people. and Someone from this church will contact you and, and talk about next steps and, and how you can move forward in your life or, or, or connect with one of the pastors here or grab me after the service. I'd love to talk with you more. But if you're here and, and you don't know what God is asking you to do next and you, you commit to exploring these steps, then I want to encourage you to do that. Figure out what God is asking you to do and then embrace it wholeheartedly. Hold nothing back. Thank you, God, for all that you have given us. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings in our life. And we just ask, God, that you would be with us this week as we go out into the world. Lord, and that people will look at us and they will know by our deeds and our actions, God, that we are your faithful servants. And we just ask your son's blessings in our lives, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. One more thing. Uh, I always forget this, and my wife's not here to remind me, so please let her know that I remembered. But we have a sign-up sheet out at the information booth. If you would just, uh, if you'd like to receive our newsletter, we send one out about once a, uh, every three months. We'd love to give you, send you an update through email. 
Connect with us on Facebook, and you'll also get updates from us and prayer requests. And then our prayer cards. We have our prayer cards out there. Uh, last time we were here a few years ago, there was a mix-up at the printer, and they were just black and white. So this is the new updated color version, if you'd like to have that. Put it somewhere where you will remember to pray for us. Um, your mirror, or like me, you know, put it on your refrigerator, because that's where I spend a lot of time, just staring, you know, in there at the food. Uh, just, you know, so that you can lift us up in prayer. I had someone ask me, they said, well, there's not any prayer requests on the back of it. Well, they change all the time. So we just ask that you would continually bathe us in prayer uh, that, you know, you just kind of cover us all the time. And thank you so much for allowing us to be here this morning. Thank you, Paul. pick up again next week on the, in, in our series on end time prophecy and one of the things that I hope that you've been picking up in that series is a sense of urgency not only a sense of urgency for people to hear about Jesus in Greenville, Texas but all the way around the world that's why we partner with missionaries such as Trevor and Christy because when the Lord returns he's not going to only return in Greenville he's going to return at every corner of the globe and people need the opportunity to hear about Jesus so thank you Trevor um, if you're a guest this morning, again, we want to thank you for being here. We hope that uh, you have filled out that communication card. If you did, there are two things you can do with it. You can either drop it in one of the offering boxes on your way out, or Pastor Danny would love to meet you at the uh, information booth, which is just right across from the uh, the front exit, and uh, you can take that card to him, and he has a gift for you, and like I say, he would love to meet you. And... Um, then also, Steve asked me to remind you before we let you out the door, today is the last day to purchase tickets for the Frisco Rough Riders game. So just a small group from our church is going next Sunday night. We'd love to invite you to go. It's going to be a great time of fellowship, and, and uh, it's all-you-can-eat food that comes with it. So we've got a suite that also has outdoor seating and air-conditioned seating, so you can kind of pick your poison there, which, however you want to experience a baseball game. So uh, see Steve Johnson uh, for those tickets and then if you want to stay to explore more about going on one of these uh, trips to the mission field then uh, you can stay and it's going to be happening in the cafe area right out after second service so stand with me if you would thank you for being here today have a great week you're dismissed